welcome to Ghoulish Tendencies. I'm Gabby. And I'm Kim. And we are two paranormal investigators who delve into the depths of the famous and not-so-famous cases of Moida ghosts, legends, and lore with a healthy dose of debunking. Oh, there's going to be... Y'all should brace yourself. There's going to be some scullying with a capital S tonight. Ooh, wait, is it going to be scullying with like capital S-C-U-L-L-I-N-G? Like all of them capital? It's every. It's like neon capital marquee sign. Yeah. Ooh, dogie. Can't wait. Yeah. Um, well, so, okay. And and this is my favorite little disclaimer to to delve into right from the get-go. Anytime we are looking at an episode that deals with any kind of lore, there's a lot of conflicting reports of what actually happened. So I do my best to track down where the real story is or look at the most consistent story. But, like, seriously, in this particular instance, all of – it's like a giant game of telephone. Yeah. There's so – Many inconsistencies and from reputable news sources that it it, it kind of blew my mind a little bit. Uh, but anyway, that's my lovely little disclaimer that, that Kim likes to throw out there. Uh, so we have gotten lots of feedback on the movie Curse episodes we've done. Uh, and we realized we had not done one in a stretch. And it was time to time. do another. Yes, give me a movie curse. Movie curses. Give the people what they want. Yes. Uh, so tonight, we're going to be talking about the omen curse. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. Spooky. Have you seen the omen? Like the original one, not one of the many sequels or remakes? I think at some point in time I did. I don't remember much of it. Uh, I should probably watch it again. <laughs> it's a good movie. It, it holds up. It withstands the test of time. Uh, well, so for those of you who may not be familiar with the plot of The Omen, it is the story of an American diplomat named Robert, who is played by none other than Gregory Peck in the original film. Nice. Uh, his wife, Kathy, is pregnant, but while giving birth, the baby dies. And rather than being like, I'm so sorry, honey, our baby has died, he is convinced by the chaplain at the hospital to adopt a baby whose mother died during childbirth. Oh, bad news bears. Bad news bears. So they named the kid Damien. Ah, Damien. Damien. And as far as Kathy knows, they are Damien's biological parents. And uh, years go by, little Damien turns five, and all this bad shit starts to happen. And Robert starts to realize that maybe something is up with their little bundle of joy. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, this is a spoiler, but it's a spoiler for a movie that's almost like 50 years old. <laughs> and it's pretty well known in pop culture at this point, so deal with it if you're spoiled by this. Or if you don't want to be spoiled by this, pause, go watch the movie. It's a great movie. Turns out Damien is the Antichrist. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. 
Uh, and again, if you've not seen it, it's it's worth a watch. It's a horror classic for a reason. It has spawned three additional sequels, and the most recent was The Omen 4, The Awakening, in 1991. These sequels are not good, so I'm not saying you should watch the sequels, but watch <laughs> the original. It also, uh, there was a remake in 2006, which starred Julia Stiles and Liev Schreiber. I remember that one. Yeah, and honestly, like, it's... There's points in the movie where it's almost shot for shot, like the original, um, and it's kind of devoid of soul. <laughs> if you'll, I mean, the irony, truly. Po- pardon, pardon the expression. Um, so anyway, uh, now, given the subject matter of the curse movies we have covered so far, I'm sure you can appreciate uh, where a lot of the lore stems from on this one, which is, yay, devil movies! Devil movies. Devil worship. Devil yay. worship. This is kind of prior to the satanic panic, though, although it probably didn't help. Maybe it started it. <laughs> this probably was, was helping to, like, jumpstart things. Um, well, so what's funny is that one of the reasons this movie was even conceived of was because The Exorcist, which had come out a couple years prior in uh, 1973 was so popular and we did cover the exorcist yes we did um but it did so well in the box office so many people loved it that uh uh it it sparked an idea and it's funny too because you might remember this from when we covered the exorcist that they sort of used the whole um our movie is cursed as a marketing ploy Mm -hmm. and i did kind of wonder if there was ever any of that intention here because so i read this one article on filmdaily.com and the executive producer one of the producers of the film robert munger who's also a born-again christian bt dubs (laughs) nice it's great great comment uh he (laughs) conceived of the film and said right from the get-go that a movie about the son of the devil was, of course, going to be cursed and to 100% bring it on. Well, that's what we call asking for it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's and again, I, I wonder, like, how much of this was, was him, like, trying to just spark conversation. Um, but he also would say in interviews, I thought this was fascinating. He's like, when things were going wrong, he's like, it's because the devil doesn't want this movie to get made. I like, roll. You can't see my eyes rolling into my head <laughs> on a also, podcast. I mean, again, this is spoiler alert for the end of the film. But at the end of the film, both of Damien's parents are dead. And he's seen at their funeral with the president and first lady looking at the camera being like, la, 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 la. So I kind of feel like the devil's like, yeah, no, you're good. Make this movie. That's fine. Fine by me. Anyway. Why not? Uh, So right from the get-go, it did seem like things were happening, or at least that's how it was being spun. Uh, And and this is genuinely very, very tragic. So Gregory Peck, who, who played the father, the protagonist, his real son died of suicide a few months Aww. before filming began. That's terrible. It's horrible. And I think... Attributing that to a curse is super gross. Yeah, I would uh, definitely agree on that one. And some digging I did 
showed he hadn't even signed on to the movie when his son died. He was semi-retired at this point, and one of the reasons he took the role in The Omen was because his agent thought it would be good for him uh, and help him have something to do to distract himself. Uh, the, the director, Richard Donner, would actually speak about it in an interview at one point. We're going to play just a quick little clip so that you can uh, just hear him talking about the whole situation. But it was that moment in his life when his agent came to the producer, Harvey Bernhardt, and they were friends. He said, Harvey, I want Greg to get out of the house and go to work. How about that script, The Omen? And he said, would he do it? He said, give me the script and give me the opportunity. So he called back and he said... Yeah, he said, I'll push him to do this. So we waited and waited and waited. I said, it's not going to happen. Gregory Peck's not going to play this. And sure enough, we get a call and he said, he'd like to meet with you. So yes, as you can hear from that, I'm hard-pressed to believe that any of this had to do with the curse. Fair. Um, so, so most people point at the real start of it being when Robert Peck first flew to England where they were filming a lot of it because his plane was struck by lightning. Huh. But again, he wasn't hurt. No one involved, no one on the plane was hurt. So like, is that actually a curse or is that like, hey, cool, we didn't go down when our plane was struck by lightning. (laughs) Also, is that just nature? Well, it's funny you should say that. So, uh, and, and, This is another thing where, like, the accounts kind of differ because some say it was the writer and some say, I think it was one of the producers, uh, was on another plane a few days later or a few weeks later, depending on, again, which version you're reading. And his plane was also struck by lightning. Okay, that's a little weird. Well, okay, I'm glad you said that, Gabby, because this is where Kim's scully brain kicked in for the first time. Okay. Because now for me, the question isn't curse. The question is... How common is it for planes to actually be struck by lightning? (laughs) Tell me, Kim, how Uh, common is it? Remarkably common, Gabby. Really? Do you have some stats? According to the National Weather Service, a commercial plane is struck one to two times a year on average. Like an individual plane, not any plane. Like every single plane? Every single commercial plane on average is struck by lightning one to two times a year. Okay, so I have questions. Yes. What happens when a plane gets struck by lightning? Like, do people realize that they were struck by lightning? Or is yes. that like is that like the turbulence you feel when you go through bad turbulence? Or like are the pilots just saying like off? Fuck. We're going to go down potentially. And they tell people we're just hitting a rough patch. Well, like, no, they're not. They're not worried about going down. Um, although that being said, I'm going to rephrase that because I saw the, that's what she said on your face. <clears throat> they're not worried about the plane actually crashing. The planes are designed to withstand a lightning strike. It doesn't mean that it's not terrifying. In fact, uh, I think it was in the second plane they talked about. It was like the most terrifying five minutes of his life. Um, it's not great. But planes are designed to withstand it. Now, it doesn't mean there hasn't been some incidents from planes being hit, but it's it's excruciatingly rare for a plane to go down because it was struck by lightning. Hmm. Uh, so, again, I don't know that I can look at this and be like, curse, so much as I can look at it and be like, weather, man, weather. <laughs> Weather's gonna weather. Weather's gonna weather. What do you think? I mean... 
Yeah, but here's my but. Okay. This fun fact that you just shared with us is not mm-hmm. a well-known fun fact. This is like, you had to look that up to find that out. Well, I mean, I had to look all this up. <laughs> well, fair. But also, <laughs> if we're talking about, like, the fun game of telephone and people creating legendy lorry type situations are like, oh my gosh, my plane got hit by lightning and my plane got hit by lightning too. Like how often it, yeah, is that a topic like, of conversation? It took me like 0.5 seconds to Google this. Yeah, like, but back then when this all happened, they didn't have Google. Yeah, but most of the articles reporting on the curse, like there was stuff that reported on it then, but most of them are contemporary. So, like, again, it took me, like, 0.5 seconds to find out this factoid. Okay. And so anyone doing their due diligence, anyone doing any kind of research at all, should be able to say to themselves, you, again, it's, it's back to that, like, critical thinking of, okay, I, I see this circumstance. I see this story being laid before me. But the next thing I have to ask myself is, is this something that happens or is this something that doesn't happen? Because if it's something that happens... And it's going to play into another later instance where there's another instance of something happening where you're like, okay, this is tragic, but let's look at some statistics. <laughs> um, I mean, but that's you and like me and like people that would look stuff up. I'm talking like the people that this happened to during this time may not have had that inclination. Yeah, but the people that this happened to were not the ones saying the movie was cursed. Okay, so the other people that are saying it's cursed did not do their due diligence. No. And that's, I guess, that's kind of what you're going to hear me kind of returning this over and over and over. People want to lean into this idea of a curse, so they take everything and throw it at the wall and say it's a curse. Where when you, and it's again, it's, it's not me trying to kill people's joy as much as some of you like to think that that's all I do is sit around murdering joy like I make joy murderer. I am. It says it on my business cards. But it's <laughs> it's about not just be, which because this isn't something we should just be looking at in terms of the paranormal. Uh, I think we should always question a story yeah. that is told to us. That's critical thinking skills and and a willingness to not just believe because I mean, not to I don't want to get political but I think you understand what I'm not saying. <laughs> crystal clear, friend. Crystal yeah. clear. So it's it's not to say, like, my my argument is we should always be curious and we should always be looking up origins of things or checking our facts. Or, or if we're going to tell a story, if you're going to share a story, look into it first. Because I guess, and some of it for me is that because we do have a podcast and I do tours and I talk about history. And I educate children on occasion. Um, it's my reputation on the line if something's wrong. So sure. if I just repeat something without checking to see if it's valid or not, and I'm wrong, or I'm passing on bad information, I- I'm now perpetuating this, this culture of, of misinformation. And it's important to me that, that I think, more people stop and say it doesn't mean I can't believe in something, but I can at least take the 0.5 seconds it takes to Google something to Google's check. Google's your friend. Google's your friend, and also, my God, I wish I had Google when I was a kid. Like, yeah. can you imagine? It's so easy to use. 
It's so easy to use. I remember Ask Jeeves. I remember was Ask like, Jeeves. Oh, gee, Google. And like, uh, uh, oh, I always hated. Oh, we're going to date ourselves now. <laughs> Ask Jeeves was like, I don't know if it was cool, but I remember it being funny. There was one that was like dog pile or dog house or dog run or dog poop. I don't know. There was something with dog in it. <laughs> That used to, its whole thing was that it like, it searched every search engine. And I used to use that one a lot. This was when I was a little older or well, when the internet had been around for a little bit more, it was a little more well-established, but I remember that became my go-to. And this was prior to Google really being Google, Google. Like I think Google may have been around, but it wasn't Google at this point. Anyway, we've, we've digressed quite a bit. We've Googled Google, man. We've Googled Google. But again, that, that being said. This is this was such an easy thing to look up and it it's it's you know Google has that little thing now where it answers a question so you don't even have to click a link. This was an answer where I didn't even have to click a link. I did click the link cuz I wanted to read the whole explanation, but I wouldn't have had to. So this was an answer that literally could somebody could have googled it and read it in about 3 seconds total. So they're lazy. Well, I yeah. <laughs> I just really enjoy that. Yeah. I don't know that lazy is fair, even though it's kind of accurate. I I think we're complacent. People just accept the information that they're given. They don't question anything. They don't question it. And and maybe it's because we are of a generation where you had to look a little harder for some of of your facts that I'm used to having to work for it. (laughs) That's what she said? (laughs) That is what she said. And proudly. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Um, um okay. <laughs> so uh getting back to the omen. Um Gregory Peck. And now again, this is another one where I'm like, I don't know, there was a lot of weird conflicting stories here. So the original thing I read was that Gregory Peck was scheduled to fly and canceled his plans. The flight he was supposed to be on not only crashed, killing everyone inside, but it crashed on a vehicle with members of the pilot's family in it. Which, okay, again, if this is true, holy shit. Yeah. That's cursed territory. However. Oh. Well, okay, first, he didn't get on the plane. So, like, honestly, that's, to me, is like, well, good for you, buddy. Good for you, Gregory. (laughs) It's not really a curse on him. (laughs) Am I wrong? No, but okay. I, and it took some digging, but I did find the accident in the papers. It happened sometime around November 21st of 1975. So this was after the Omen started filming. Um, the article I found said six die as jet plane hits car. Oh, dang. So the plane encountered a flock of birds, which caused it to crash. It did crash on a car. But this is where the details seem to not really line up with what is always reported because, okay, it killed, it killed a woman. It killed her two children as well as three other school children in the car. Oh, sad. I'm sorry. I didn't laugh. No, no, no. The birds part. Yeah, the birds part. The birds part made me giggle. But this part, this is very, very sad. But she was not the wife of of the pilot flying the plane. She was the wife of a pilot. And what I found extra interesting is that they even they tell this story on Shudder's Omen episode of Curse Films, which I watched. Um, 
And there was there was uh, some of the crew were recalling the events. But to showcase what I keep kind of hammering home, they're recounting stories. Some of them happened directly to them. Some didn't. And they're remembering and they're remembering them extremely imperfectly. Hmm. And as the story gets passed on again, it's a giant game of telephone. It changes. It falls further and further from the truth. So, like, I uh, is that making sense, the point yeah. I'm kind of trying to... So, this is, again, this is all very tragic, but, like, it's also kind of nebulously mentioned he canceled the flight. Like, it was a private plane. And from what I could find, besides the pilot, the other passengers were a Chinese trade delegation. So, like, did did... Was Gregory Peck supposed to be on this plane? Canceled it. So then the pilot hired something else, which means he would have been taking a a completely different route. So many questions. So many questions. And um, they wouldn't even necessarily been flying to the same place. And there was other reports. It wasn't even Gregory Peck. It was the film crew. Sometimes the retellings say it wasn't Gregory Peck canceling. It was a film crew trying to get aerial shots and they canceled it. And so, and I mean, that honestly, at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter, but it just adds to my point about the anecdotal reports and how we cannot look at this as evidence. Evidence, evidence, evidence. Um, and also, the people inside didn't die. Like, it was a horrible tragedy, but the people in the plane itself, like, they were, there were some injuries, but they all lived, including the pilot. Dang. So again, not only is it is it misinformation being spread, I struggle with tying this to a curse with the movie The Omen. I can see why. I feel like it's one of those situations where like the surface of the story, you could see how it would be a curse. But then you like actually read about it and you're like, no. (laughs) And and that I mean, that's also the problem when you boil some of this down to, oh, it's a curse, and let me just fling out headlines at you, is, is it doesn't actually delve into any context or any content. And again, I, I apologize. This is going to be a little bit of a ranty episode for Kim. <laughs> I mean, to be expected with the curse. Well, but this one more so, I feel like, because with, with some of the others... There was some stuff involved where some of the reporting got a little bit off, but it this for me was just really egregious across the board. Um all right, so let's let's move on to our next possible curse incident. Mace Newfeld, who was one of the producers on the film, he'd gone out to dinner with like Gregory Peck, I think the director, some of the other crew. Um, or was supposed to go out to dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. When the restaurant blew up. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, it actually, you know, blew up from a bomb. Uh, it was from Dang. what I could find, it was Scott's Restaurant, which was bombed on Wednesday, November 19th, killing two and injuring, I think it was injuring five. Is that right? That seems not right. Anyway, killed two people. I don't mean to sound, sound that sounded really <laughs> cavalier. I apologize. I did not. Sometimes when I get going, I say things very flippantly and it, it was in no way my intention to make that sound like I was being dismissive of two people dying. So I apologize for that. Um, You're good. I'm going to politely scully again. All right. Let's hear, let's hear it. Like, okay. Yes. A, a restaurant they were going to go to being bombed. That's who. Um, but also, this is London. 
in the 1970s. Do you know what was happening in London in the 1970s? A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Do you know the specific incident in history I'm referring to? I do not, but I know about, like, the punk revolution that started sure. around then. This was a little different. This was something called the IRA. Hmm. Or the Irish Republican Army, which for the folks at home, if you're unfamiliar, and I guess Gabby too, you should re- read about this in history because this is not obscure history. <laughs> I just haven't read a history book on anything in London in a long time that's not about Fair. something spooky. Fair. And I lived there. So, um, yeah. And I mean, okay, so I know this is a way oversimplification because this is, this is. Whew, we doggies, this is more complicated than any one person could get into in a, in a short explanation. But basically, um, the IRA wanted to, to end British rule. They wanted to unify Ireland because, you know, Ireland is divided up into basically two countries, one that's part of the UK and one that isn't. So things were real bad and real violent for a number of, of decades. Something that happened a lot, something that IRA did a lot was, was use bombs. Hmm. Um, and again, I apologize because this is, this is a, a, an extreme oversimplification of a very like sad and complex thing that happens. Um, but the IRA was the one that bombed the restaurant. Uh, but what was, what was, again, when I was researching this, it was very wibbly wobbly about who was even supposed to be eating there. Did they, were they heading there and it exploded? Were they? talking about it when they got news were they almost there were they leaving like it it was all very unclear um now again much like our lightning situation there was a second incident ah so newfield the producer and his wife were staying at a hilton hotel and that hilton hotel was also bombed um And that does seem like an unfortunate string of bad luck. Uh, I was reading an article about the bombings in the Fort Lauderdale News that gave the date as October 12th of 1975. But it looks like the hotel they were talking about, the bombing actually happened on September 5th of 1975. And again, I realize that doesn't seem like a big deal, but this was reported in a newspaper. So I'm doing research. I see this reported in a newspaper and I think, oh, cool. It's in the newspaper. It must be accurate. Nope. Sure isn't. You found something else. You find something else that's incorrect. So yeah, the, this bombing happened in the lobby. It killed two people, injured 63 others. And again, tragic. But if you want to Google bombings in London in the 1970s, there was a fair number of them. Now, it's not to say that, that this could not be related to some kind of curse, that you have these two bombings happening, but only one of them is really, in my opinion, directly related to anyone in the production, and that is the hotel. What do you think? I mean, I think all of it is a stretch. Like, I think it's really easy to minimize a story to have it tell, you know, a narrative that you want to tell with a curse Mm -hmm. if you take out all the details um especially if like people weren't directly associated with the place that you're talking about like the hotel i could understand too i would agree with you on that one but no i think i'm on the same page as you this time i think i'm the scully is gonna definitely win the scully's winning her over i mean (laughs) 
It's not taken that long. I just had to name my dog Mulder and, <laughs> you well, know, and, transition it down the line. And again, what people do not always appreciate about us Scullies of the world, at least my particular brand of Scully, part of why I Scully as hard as I Scully is because I want something to be true. Right. You're not as willing to accept it without evidence. Um, no, I'm not, because again, I want to be able to then go to any other Scullies who Scully even more deeply than I do and be able to throw down, this is why I can back up everything I'm saying. This is real because boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Um, so Mace, this producer, was also apparently hit by a car. <laughs> oh, geez. But which that's pretty rotten luck, but I, I couldn't really find much elaborating on it. So I, I'm not sure much more than that and he was he's you know he was i mean i think he's dead now but he was he lived he, i no i believe I, I a couple people who were involved with the omen recently died but they were all in their like 80s so like old age died like old age like died from like, a curse yeah a few just recently died and i remember looking him up and i think he may have actually been one of them um and uh <laughs> and you know what i can do because i have google right here gabby as do yeah. we all. He just died on January 21st, uh, 2022, and he died at the age of 93. <laughs> it would have been funnier to me if you included that as a reason why there was a curse. Like, I remember when we were going over <laughs> one of the, the other curses. Yeah, yeah. where mm -hmm. they listed, like, all these deaths, but were, like, 30 or 40 years yeah. later. Decades <laughs> like, after the fact. It had and one nothing of them, to do with it. Like, some of them were people, again, who were in their, like, 70s, and you're like, Like, old. Yeah. You're just old, and you died. Like, that's what happened. It's not because you're cursed. It's because you're old. Like it's because none of us can escape the inevitability forever. of death. Unless you're a vampire, which we can bookmark that and come back to it. But then aren't you technically undead? Technically, yes. Mm. Okay. Across the world, new threats emerge. Man-apes prowl the forests of North America. Giant cephalopods entwine ships in the Pacific. Man-eating crocodiles gnash unsuspecting swimmers in Australia. But one bureau has you covered with the latest on monstrous shenanigans in your backyard. Tune in, gentle listeners, for breaking news fresh from the teletype. Listen closely, for your lives may depend on it. Turn up the volume. It's time for... The Monster Report! Harvey Bernard, who is a producer on the film, uh, was also almost struck by lightning. Like, that's what, okay, again, that's what gets <laughs> reported. Further digging shows that a building where he was staying was, like, adjacent to a building hit by lightning. Was he in the building that was adjacent? Well, he was in, like, the building next door. That's not even close. You can't claim that. It doesn't work that way. Like, okay, but he's, okay, he said, he said later, I thought it was the end of the world. And I'm sure it was, no, I mean, have you ever been close to a lightning strike? No, I've oh, not. So girl. I can't. 
I've been close to a lightning strike a couple times. I was in uh, I was in a house once where lightning hit a tree outside, and it's pardon my French, fucking terrifying. It's I believe it. Loud in a way you can't fathom. Um, and you don't know what's going on and things shake. And so, yeah, it would be real scary to be that close to a lightning strike. But also, like, he wasn't struck by lightning. His building wasn't struck by lightning. Again, that's just kind of like weather. That's a stretch. That's, I like, if you're saying it's a stretch, that means it's a stretch. That means it's really stretchy. Mm-hmm. Like stirrup pants. Like me stretching as we are talking currently. That's true. Uh, okay. This next one is, is very sad. Um, the special effects designer, John Richardson. And he's the one, for those of you who have seen the film, he came up with this, this very um, kind of infamous scene in the f- movie where someone gets decapitated. He was in a car accident. And bear with me, because again, reports of what happened are all over the place. Uh, Because in the car with him was a woman named Liz Moore. Okay. Who was either his wife, fiance, girlfriend, or assistant. (laughs) (laughs) Or all of the above. (laughs) Or some combination thereof. They were in Europe, they were shooting another film, and the car crashed. Um, now, most accounts say that, that Liz was decapitated. Um, there was uh, allegedly the... Allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly, the way her body was laid out was just like it wasn't the film, and I'm like, mm, okay. Um, there was also apparently a street sign nearby that said Omen 66.6 kilometers. And it happened to be on Friday the 13th. That's kind of cool. Um, I don't know if I'd say cool when someone horrifically dies. Rephrase. That's interesting. Let's go with that. Um, There were some accounts that said her body was cut in half instead of being decapitated, but most commonly it's reported she was decapitated. Now, what I could find actual evidence on. Evidence. Evidence. First off, Liz Moore was fucking awesome. She was a painter and a sculptor. She made a bunch of sculptures and props for a number of films, including 2001 and A Clockwork Orange. And she worked on the design of the C-3PO suit and the Stormtrooper helmet. No way. That's awesome. Right? So we would probably not have those things, at least not as we know them, if it was not for her work. And she does not really get the recognition she should get for the work she did. She was quite young when she died. She was like 31. Oh, that is really young. She did die on Friday the 13th. That part is true. Um, It happened in 1976. It was kind of maddening trying to find more details about her accident. When reports of the sign are talked about, it's usually saying that John Richardson stumbles from the accident and he sees the sign for a nearby town of Omen, which is spelled O-M-M-E-N, which is a town in the Netherlands, uh, and that, that it's referring to the distance. However, okay... This is this is the point Kim got to where she was trying to find any kind of evidence on this. Evidence. 
According to a Dutch person on Twitter. <laughs> Listen, I was desperate at this point. I like that they don't have a name. <laughs> oh, no, they do. Their, their name is at Tumis01. Aw, I was hoping for something more fun. I'm sorry, Tumis. If you're listening to this, I think your, your name is quite fun. I think you could be more fun. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the signs there don't have decimals in them. And the town of Omen is too small to have a sign marked from over 60 kilometers away. If we have other Dutch listeners who want to weigh in on that, because I certainly don't know. I tried to find a picture of the sign. I couldn't. So that kind of, to me, reinforces what he was saying. Again, I don't usually take to Twitter to try to prove something, but uh, I was a little desperate. Um, Adding to that. And again, this is something I don't normally do. I went to a website called uh, Conspiromedia. <laughs> I'm sorry. The fact that you're referencing a source with that name gives my Mulder heart joy. So well, much joy. What you should know, because uh, I'm generally pretty skeptical about any kind of WordPress site like this. Not because there's not good stuff on there, but... Uh, Anyone can put one up. It's hard to say how how in-depth the research goes. That being said, um, they did this whole article. Actually, they'd done more than one, but I read the most recent one on the curse. And you'll find a link for that in our sources. Uh, and, like, they did their research. And cool. I, I found a little chunk from the article. And I'm just going to read this chunk because it's a little easier than trying to explain this. So. <clears throat> According to a forum poster at horrorexpress.com. Oh geez. Who declares himself to be Lismore's son? This is the quote from the forum poster. There was no 666 crap. All of the other details of the crash, though, are accurate. The person in question is my mother, Liz Moore. The message begins. She was not John Richardson's assistant. She was one of the designers on the Omen, a special effects sculptress. She was decapitated, and it was Friday the 13th. She died next the A sign. I'm assuming that's a typo. For Omen. Or she died next to a sign for Omen. The facts given by me are correct as they can be. On the face of it, it would appear that the forum poster is genuine. If you check out their username, Dandy Dickerson, you'll soon discover that there is indeed an individual by that name whose mother was Liz Moore. And yes, she was a sculptress who worked on a number of movies, including the Stanley Kubrick classics, 2001 A Space Odyssey, A Clockwork Orange, and Barry Lyndon, which is what I had said earlier. Right. And that's the, the end of the quote of the article. Um, and again, normally I'm pretty suspect of any kind of thing like this, but I did some digging on Ancestry and looking at her family tree, and it does seem to check out. Cool. Uh, so what do you think on this one, curse or no curse? I think no curse, but a fun story. And I could see how easily, if someone actually died on Friday the 13th in front of a sign that said Omen and they were decapitated, like, that's, that's pretty wild. Yeah. Like, all those things happening at the same time, to me, that's the weirdest one. Like, oh, absolutely. I, I well, would say that, like, I mean, just for me. I for, think so far, so far, it's the weirdest oh, one. Oh, we're not done. There's more. Okay. okay. <laughs> but I'm wait. ready. There's more. All right. Give it to me. Um, so some of these are, again, eh. There was a, a head-on collision the first day of filming that injured some of the crew members. 
Okay. That's, you know, maybe somebody shouldn't have been driving. Uh, the actor who plays the taxi driver in the film had the car door accidentally slammed on his hand, and it was real bad. You can still see the bandages and the final cuts, which, again, maybe just be more careful on set. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It's just, like, as, as a performer, do you know how often I injure myself doing shows or filming? Sure. That horror film that I, I did last summer where I just had that little bit part, but I, I got hit with a blood cannon and then I got Kool-Aid blood in my eyes and I had to like take my contacts out because Oof. my eyes were burning. I mean, that kind of thing just happens on sets. Sure. Uh, another stuntman on the film named Alf Joint. <laughs> Hashtag Kim's favorite name. What a great name. Great name. Uh, went to work on another film. So this did not happen on The Omen. This was after The Omen. Was injured in a stunt. Now, it was considered a simple stunt. He had to jump from a roof onto an airbag, but he fell wrong. And he would later say he felt like he had been pushed. Oh. Again, if this had happened on the set of The Omen, I'd be a little bit more like, yeah, curse. But it didn't. It happened... On the set of a different film. I don't know. Meh. Uh, the director of The Omen, Richard Donner, received death threats. In the Shudder episode of Cursed Films on The Omen, he was quoted as saying, In the making of The Omen, I got a lot of crackpot threats. One of these terrible letters I had gotten said my blood will run in the streets for doing what I did. Which, like, absolutely, that would be terrifying to get a letter like that, but particularly for a film that's centered around something religious, which means it could be something controversial. I don't think you can look at that and be like, oh, yeah, that's a curse. No, that's just, like, America. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, I, yep, yeah, I agree. Um, there was a number of dogs and animals in the film. There Yay! was a, a stuntman trainer in a scene who was injured by one of the Rottweilers, it managed to bite through his protective gear. Oh, dang. That's not fun. That's not fun. Um, okay, this next one, again, is a little messed up. So there's a scene in the film uh, with all these baboons in a safari park. It's actually pretty terrifying. Uh, and apparently, so the, the, the mother has Damien in the car, and they're driving through these baboons, and... Um, the car gets stuck and, and the baboons are shrieking and, rah, 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 and and she's screaming and it's very scary. And apparently with the first time they filmed the scene, the car really did stall. So oh, in the scene, the, the, the one that they use in the film, the screams are real. Oh, she was terrified. Understandably. So they had gone to this uh, safari park to uh, film this. And... Again, reports are all over the place. Some say it was the zookeeper that was helping with the scene. Others say just a zookeeper at the park. Regardless, either the next day or maybe a few weeks after, again, lots of different accounts, he was mauled to death by lions. Oh, dang. Or maybe a tiger. Because both are reported. What? Do they not know the difference? Apparently not. Uh, Richard Bernard recalls he was killed by a tiger. He grabbed him by the head and killed him instantly. Oh, damn. Lions and tigers were only missing the bears. Oh, my. Um, again, <laughs> Kim did some digging. I believe I found the name of the person who was killed as well as the incident. I found an article from November 6th of 1975 in the Berkeley Gazette that says Tiger Kills Warden in Windsor Safari Park. 
According to the article, quote, a tiger sprang from a tree and killed a game warden in the Windsor Safari Park Wednesday. The tiger leapt on Sidney Bamford as he patrolled the tiger compound. He tried unsuccessfully to fend it off with a long pole. Another warden was too far away to shoot the animal without risk of hitting Bamford. By the time he got close enough to shoot and kill the tiger, Bamford was dead. Now, another article that ran in the Daily Telegraph slightly contradicts this account because it said that Bamford died on his way to the hospital. The tiger that attacked him was a seven-year-old male Bengal tiger that weighed 450 pounds. Oh, dang. And the tiger had been planning the attack possibly for weeks based on how it had been stalking around the area. I was going to say, who interviewed the tiger? Um, (laughs) No, they they were looking at the behavior patterns. And apparently the way it had been moving around the area, they think it had been waiting for an opportunity. And this article also says the tiger wasn't killed during the attack. It was apparent because apparently their guns had blanks in them, uh, but they put the tiger down afterwards. But again, both of these are newspaper articles. So it is more evidence evidence as to how easy things can be misreported. Um, There was another newspaper article I read that said a lion's paw shot through the bars and crushed the skull of the attendant. (laughs) The visual for that is just great. Right. But what's wrong? What multiple things are wrong in that one sentence? What's the big one? Tiger. Tiger versus lion. It was a tiger that killed him, not a lion. Right. But this was reported in a newspaper as a lie. So, I mean, again, so many things incorrect. Right. Uh, And just in case any of you are still thinking this absolutely has to be a curse, according to the Daily Telegraph article, this was the fourth attack in three years. That's a lot. Thank you. So, again... Yes, as an individual incident, you're like, that's messed up. But you look at a longer pattern, and it's the fourth attack in three years. You know what this reminds me of? What? The opposite of Disneyland. (laughs) (laughs) Like, when we were talking about Disneyland, like, accidents that happened, and people were like, oh, my God, people were having, like, whiplash from, like, Indiana Jones and having shaken baby syndrome and all that. And it's like three out of like three people out of like millions of people right 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 meanwhile (laughs) this is like nobody is watching this tiger and it's just mauling people right and left i mean to be fair it was not the same tiger each time (laughs) that's even worse that's like you're not paying attention to your multiple tigers i mean it's true but it's also like tigers are gonna tiger like they're wild animals that's true Um, people are just being dummies then People are being dummies. Well, and again, to me, that speaks uh, to a bigger problem at the safari park, which is y'all got to get your house in order. Um, Now, the the curse was not isolated to only the first film. Damien Omen 2, which was the next film, also had some issues. Uh, It was filmed pretty shortly after. I believe it, it was released two years after the first film. Uh, Some of the crew was on a plane traveling to Eagle River, Wisconsin for location footage, and the fog was so bad it couldn't land. And Bernhard would later say, all I could think of in the moment was the omen curse, and I said a silent prayer in the hope that we'd get down safely. It seemed to take forever, but thanks to the pilot's skill and help from the traffic controller, we landed safely. Oh, good. I mean, yeah, like, but again, weather, man, it's just, this is just weather. (laughs) This is all it is. It's weather. It's weather. It's nature. It's the world. 
When, and kind of circling back to what I said at the beginning, like Bernhard, I don't know, he was quoted at saying in another article, make no mistake about it. The Antichrist is in our midst, but I pray to God that the power of good will get us through. I'm like, my brother, my brother, bro, Jesus. dude, my dude, my dude. Um, was the, did you really think this or was this just to like hype up the film? We might never know. Because most of the curse talk started not after the first film, but during promotion for the second. Mm. Uh, he also started wearing a cross, which he thought protected him. So good, good well. for you. Uh, there was a flu epidemic that forced production to halt for a bit. The 40 crew members got sick. Uh, and some of them were reported as saying it was the sickest they'd ever been. There was equipment lost. A stunt woman was almost killed during a fairly run-of-the-mill stunt. Bernhard's L.A. apartment mysteriously burst into flames when he was at home. <laughs> Did he have a haunted doll living in his house? Maybe. There was another incident where they were setting this shot up on the rooftop, and they needed, um, like, good sunlight. And the weather was nice, so they set the cameras up. There's no sign of clouds when, quote... Seconds before the cameras were set to roll, a dark cloud swept overhead, and a storm lashed that rooftop, ruining the shot and further delaying the production. So, weather? Weather. Like, I don't know if it's because I'm a, a Pacific Northwesterner, but I'm like, that's just basically a day of the week ending in Y. <laughs> this weather. Like, that's, you know, weather? Everywhere? Also, like, anywhere that deals with rain, like, I remember... In 2007, I think it was 2007, I went to Austin City Limits and it's in Austin. It's an outdoor fest. It's in like early September, I think was when it was or late August. But it was like crazy torrential downpours in the hot weather. But they had all this production set up. But like they know how to manage it because they know weather happens. Weather happens. So like that's the production company's problem, in my opinion. They just were not prepared. Yeah. Uh, this next one I think is kind of funny. So the the brakes on the catering truck failed and hit the back oh. of the honey wagon. Oh no! Which is you know a porta potty. So like that one sucks mostly Bummer. for whoever had to clean it up. But like uh, it just um, seems like a poor combination. Yeah. There was a teamster and his wife who were heading home after being out with some friends and they had some friends in the car and a deer jumped in front of their car. And so it skidded off the road into a ditch and some of them were hurt, like not seriously, but they were hurt. And again, maybe this is the Pacific Northwestern in me, but I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's what deers do. Nature. What nature does. <laughs> it's nature. Nature's going to nature. Weather's going to weather. Weather's gonna weather. Lions are gonna lion. Tigers are gonna tiger. There's a bear Bears in my parents' are backyard. Bear, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, a writer producer on the film was almost killed when he was driving and a wheel flew off. <laughs> but okay, so my favorite bit about all this was that Bernhard, he'd given this this a couple pretty epic interviews uh during the promotion for for uh, omen 2 and he said the whole incident was probably caused by quote some capricious oodlums <laughs> uh, so i guess that's what, my favorite quote of this episode <laughs> right that's what we're calling the antichrist now capricious hoodlum um 
So William Holden, who starred in the second Omen film, before he started filming, he went to China with some friends and his friend was attacked by somebody with a knife. Which again, that's like, that's scary, but like, okay, one, his friend didn't really have anything to do with the film outside of being friends with an actor who was in the film and it was his friend that got attacked and he got hospitalized, but he was fine and... I don't know. I see this a lot with some of these cursed, cursed productions where Ooh. they bring in things that happen to people close to those involved. But it's like, how many hundreds and hundreds of people are involved in, in making a movie? So, of course, there's going to be things happening. That's life. just life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bernhard reported an incident where he gave... This one is another one where you're just like, Really? He gave the mechanic who worked on this car an Omen t-shirt. And this mechanic's boss liked it. So the mechanic gave it to his boss. And uh. the boss apparently wore the shirt once and then totaled his car. Like oh, it's do. totally the shirt's fault. Yeah, it was the shirt did it. It was the shirt, I say, the shirt. Uh, oh, this one's good. There, a hand warmer that was in Bernhard's pocket spontaneously caught fire. <laughs> okay, that's that's funny. It's kind that's of funny. very funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that sucks, but also they funny, especially the old ones. They do that sometimes. It's just funny. Uh, the fifty-four-year-old assistant director Joseph Lindsay died of a heart attack while filming. At least that's what was reported. He died in February. The film came out in June. So they, they had to have been done filming at that point. Um, the thing is, there's nothing really remarkable about his death. Like, the only reason I knew about the heart attack being the cause is it was mentioned in, in one of the interviews a producer gave. And um, I don't know. Like, he was 54. Is that a curse? Or is that just sometimes heart attacks happen when you're 54 years old? That's life, man. That's life. Uh, the 2006 remake suffered from a few incidents as well. The lab lost about 13,500 feet of film. This is actually really significant. So it, it, it was specifically a part where there was a scene where Damien's devil mark is revealed. And then um, Lee Schreiber's character, uh, which was the, the, the Gregory Peck character in the original, has a fight with... Mia Farrow's character, who's, I think, the nanny, if I'm remembering right. Um, John Moore, who directed the remake, would later say about it, the worst the lab and the collective crew ever heard of is losing a roll, which is 400 feet. They had no explanation. It had never happened before. That's weird. It's weird. In fact, they even said uh, one of the, the articles had mentioned that the crew was so upset because this is something that was so unprecedented that like crew members were crying. So like, we don't understand what we did. We don't know how it happened. So like, that's weird, but. Accidents <sighs> happen. Yeah. Uh, the actor who played Father Brennan had his brother die after allegedly drawing three sixes in a card game. How did he die? Well, okay, so, because this whole thing was weird. When I first read that, I was like, I don't even know how to take this. I found an article in the Irish Examiner that mentioned it. Um, the actor, Peter, and I'm going to mispronounce his name, and I'm apologizing, Peter Postlethwaite? Postlethwaite? 
Postal weight? Sure. Postalith? Postalith weight? If you look up a picture of him, you'll be like, oh, yeah, it's that guy. He was in a ton of things. He, he sadly passed away of, of cancer a few years ago. But um, he did lose his brother while they were filming. Apparently, his brother did draw three sixes. Uh, I'm not entirely clear how all of this is connected. But when asked if he thought there was a connection, the actor would say... It's a very personal thing, but it's true nonetheless. Mike's death was completely out of the blue. The lads down his club told me they'd been playing cards the week before. They were playing open three-card poker, and Mike drew three sixes. One of the fellows even jokingly said to him, that's your number up now. And it was just shortly afterwards he died on March 14th. It's not necessarily got anything to do with the film, but I think things like that do happen. And it's just sometimes we're not sensitized enough to see the connection. So I'm still not sure how his brother died from the way they're talking about it. I, I again, I, I don't know if it was a heart attack or, or something like that. It, it doesn't sound like he was brutally murdered or it was something, no. you know, but like it, a health problem or something. a health problem, but that it was unexpected, which again, that's, it's very, very sad, of course, yeah. but, and it's weird to draw the three sixes. I, I, you know, the one thing I didn't look up was statistically how often that happens. I should have, that's on me. Scully. Missed opportunity. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like all of this feels like a stretch to say curse. Uh, and again, that that's kind of like the heart of it. When when most people recount the curse, they're talking about they they point to the lightning strikes, the death of the animal trainer, and the death of Liz Moore. And the deaths, particularly, you know, it's it's absolutely tragic. But for me, nothing presented here is evidence evidence of more than some tragedies and stringing them together with some anecdotal bits of stories that half the time there's not even any, like they're contradictory and, and they're not really backed up properly. It's, it's trying to create a pattern that I think is, is not really there. Yeah. Um, which I don't know. Again, you're, you're a resident molder. What do you say? I love a curse. I love sure. a curse story. I think mm -hmm. they're fun. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's really hard to prove them true. Like, it's it's so much lore associated with it. And it's so much, like, not necessarily facts that you're basing information off of. That it's kind of like to each their own with a curse story. You sure. know? I think for me, and like, I'm not going to lie, I, I'm fairly skeptical in general about the idea of curses. Um, I think we, we look for things. We, again, we like patterns. We want to have an explanation for something when sometimes the explanation is life or weather. Right. <laughs> weather. Um, and, and this is now the third movie curse we've covered. And I've, I think for all three, I've very firmly been on the side of, of no curse. But of the three, this one more than any is really stretching the credibility because it, it feels like it's trying so hard. And, and to that point, the vast majority of people even talking about it, it's not the actors involved in the film. No. It's the producers. It's mostly the producers. Um, and why is it potentially in the best interest of a producer to talk about a curse on a film for promotion. Yeah. Like Gregory Peck never spoke to it. 
he never spoke one way or another as to what he thought, but but I couldn't find a single actor other than in in the most recent omen, um, the actor commenting on his brother's death. But the actors didn't talk about it, at least not publicly. It's crew members, it's producers, it's writers, directors. And so I, I always find that really interesting too. Yeah, like the source and who's perpetuating it. Well, exactly, because we saw this with The Exorcist, where Mm -hmm. it was originally done as a marketing ploy to play up this whole idea of a curse. Well, to that that end, I mean, look at The Blair Witch Project. Uh, I saw that in theaters. I'm that many years old. It's a great movie. I remember, though, one of the most notable things I remember about that, seeing it in theaters, and I was younger, but the way it was presented then, and this was early days of the internet. This was not the internet as we know it today. Right. Um, I remember there being a documentary that aired on Sci-Fi Network about the Blair Witch, and it treated the entire thing as fact. So it was a very War of the Worlds moment, right? Like, mm-hmm. you see this movie that's found footage style, which was which was... New at that point. New at that point. Yeah. Like there, there'd been some other films that had done it, but none that had gotten that exposure. Right. And you have the Sci-Fi Network running a documentary talking about these these kids who are missing. The actors using their real names to add to it, and a website on online that's treating it all as though they are genuine missing persons. So, you know, would that work today? Absolutely not. But did it work at the time? Yes. So it's not a new idea to lean into any means necessary to promote your film and, and to play up certain ideas, to play up rivalries, to play up affairs. I, I mean, my God, like Kirsten Stewart and Robert Pattinson and dating mm-hmm. in the Twilight movies. Like how many couples do you have that come out of movies that are contract couples? It's another way to promote a film, and and that's not to say that that's the only thing, but how many movies are there about the devil? There's a lot. <laughs> I can I, tell you. Like, do we want to list them? Like, I mean, like, there's there's so many um, films about about the devil, about uh, demons. And of those, how many of them have you heard about being cursed? I have definitely. I think The Exorcist was the first one that I was the like, The Exorcist. Really, of course. Yeah. yeah and, and we've covered that. But I, I could probably name 30 movies right now. And not like off-the-wall movies. Like movies. Like well-known. Well-known movies. That there's no one talks about a curse for that are all centered around the devil. Well, and it could also be because they want to be taken more seriously, maybe. And like, maybe well, a curse I, is like something that people would be like, no, I don't but know. I mean, but then then you're making the point, which is it's used as a marketing ploy. Could be. Because if you're saying that it's something people wouldn't take seriously, then then that to me implies that it's because they're using it as a marketing ploy. <laughs> I guess my point is, is that for, we've covered three movies right now. We've covered um, Poltergeist, The Exorcist, and The Omen. And each one is something to do with the supernatural. Poltergeist is a little bit more like ghosty. Yeah. But um, The Exorcist is is a demon, mm-hmm. and, and The Omen is specifically Satan. 
There's hundreds and hundreds of movies. Rosemary's Thousands, baby. one could say, about demons and the devil. And could you name even five more no. that had some kind of curse associated with it? Not to my knowledge, at least. And that's my point, that it's it's coming back to this statistics, this idea, to your point with the Disneyland, that it's like, oh, there was these people who got whiplash on this ride. Yeah, but how many people rode the ride and didn't? So you can look at, like, a movie that happens to have the subject of matter of the devil and be like, oh, it was cursed. But how many movies? And again, not just random movies, but well-known big movies have had similar subject matters and not had the idea of, of the devil haunting them. Not a lot. That's my point. That yeah. it's 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 um the that it's it's really easy again to when if I wanted to, could I maybe create a curse around some of these movies? Maybe, maybe I should try. That could be fun. That could be a fun exercise. <laughs> However, the reason why I won't do it is because people would take it seriously. <laughs> I'm not that would even be kidding. funny, though. It'd be funny until people are then quoting our podcast as a reason why the prophecy was actually a cursed film, and then we've created a new urban legend. It's it's like uh, I don't want to I don't want to be the reason why people get stupider. <laughs> the irony is strong with this one, <laughs> but it's it's like this more than the other two. I feel like is just. And some of it's because so much of it is misreported, like egregiously misreported, where there's there's no one is trying to back any of this up. They're just like, oh, yeah, I heard this thing like this. I remember this thing like this. And it's some of the details are right, but most of them are wrong. So that kind of thing drives me crazy because it's it's again as 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 if if. If we're investigating a location and we're getting stories like that, we can't, can't take any of these, those stories particularly seriously because it's a giant game of telephone. Nothing we're getting is actual evidence. Evidence. It's people half remembering stories. Telephone game. It's a giant game of telephone. History has become a giant game of telephone. And yeah, yeah. Again, I could rant on this for a long time. I have been ranting on it for a long time. I apologize. I just, I think we we need to engage more and encourage people. Keep your beliefs. Believe in the curses. Believe in the ghosts. Believe in everything. But don't be afraid of actually checking facts. Maybe that's my point. Kim, the fact checker, TM. Uh, Kim wanting people to take a moment and like Snopes.com it. That's all I ask. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, I guess we know how we feel about the curses. Like, can you can you honestly look at any of the three we've covered so far? And and legitimately, not in a fun way, because like I believe in Bigfoot and the Loch Ness monster in a fun way. Because it's fun. It's fun. It's more fun to believe that those are real than to believe that they're not. Right. Can you look at these and actually tell me that you think all of this stuff that happened is because of a curse and if you think that cool power to you but can you as a person with critical thinking skills look at these three films we've covered and say yeah curse no yeah. um but i also think there are weird things that have happened sure that are bizarre absolutely and, like 
questionable um, that, that I could understand why someone would think that without much evidence or without, you know, if other I heard context. one of these stories, I, like, again, watching the episode of the cursed movies, there was times where I was like, yeah, if this was my only frame of reference were some of these stories. Yep. This is pretty bonkers. Um, but it's, again, it's, it's why, it's why we got to fact check a little bit anyway. Um, that's the omen. That's Kim being super ranty. I'm sorry, friends. I, this one kind of got me cause I was just like the other two were interesting. Cause you were looking into, there was like some murders and stuff where you were like, okay, this is tragic, but let's talk about what actually happened. This was mostly. <sighs> giant sigh that was a giant scully rabbit hole is what that was giant scully rabbit well and and also i think a little bit of it too like (sighs) it's another it's a second giant scully sigh is is when people take like liz moore who was an awesome woman and yet the most people probably talk about her is it about the curse is about the curse and how she died. And I'm like, that sucks. It's kind of like the Winchester story. Like mm-hmm. how Sarah Winchester had this reputation for being this like woo-woo, like ghost lady who mm-hmm. was crazy and made this insane house when her story is completely different. But that's what's told for capitalism purposes. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's. Because we want to have a good story. We want, and I mean, you see this with the ghost tours. You see this with ghost tours all over the country, all over the world. You're looking for a good story. You're looking for a good hook to tell people. And honestly, at the end of the day, most stories, most historical stories, there's just a lot more to it. Yeah. So if you're just looking for a good story, then absolutely. Learning about these curses, learning about the Winchester, learning about any of these things, it's it's very entertaining. And it's fun. It's like good to it's fun. It's, it's fun to research. It's fun to research, but I think where I get upset is when we're we're boiling down some people's lives and and histories and it's not dissimilar to how I get a little upset with how we sometimes talk about serial killers and most people can name a bunch of serial killers and they couldn't name any serial killer victims. Right. And it it's, it's all well and good to be interested in this stuff. I'm interested. I mean, again, we have a whole freaking podcast. We are of course interested in this stuff. I just think it's important sometimes to stop and remember that there's actual people on the other side of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. Amen. Well done. The Omen Curse. Hashtag Kim rants too much. Sorry. Never. And this brings us to... Creepy Critics Corner. Creepy Critics Corner. Kim, what you watching? Uh, I've seen a couple pretty cool things as of late. Um, I actually just saw a movie called Barbarian. Ooh. I saw it in theaters. Super dug it. Um, I remember seeing the trailers for it and being like, I don't fully know what I'm going to be watching here. Um, And then watching the movie, I was like, I don't know what I thought I'd be watching, but it was not this. It's it's funny. It's well acted. Uh, 
it kind of keeps you on your toes because you're not really sure where it's going to be going. It's got a, a good cast. Um, I am, I'm a sucker for a Skarsgård and you've got Bill Skarsgård, uh, uh, Georgina Campbell, who is, is, um, just really, really, really good. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> Justin Long who plays a dick. Um, <laughs> he really does. He's, he's just kind of an asshole, but, uh, it was, um, yeah, no, it was it was a it was a surprise. And I honestly kind of don't want to say a whole lot more only because I'm glad I didn't really know more about it um going in. Yep, I can see that. Um I kind of like I'm, going into movies like that. It's this was an instance where I am I am absolutely happy that I did had only a very, very, very base knowledge of of the plot and the trailers. This is one of the rare times when the trailers don't really give away. Um, you might think they're giving things away. They're really not. So I, I highly recommend Barbarian. It's again, it's playing in theaters now. It's worth seeing in theaters. I think most things are worth seeing in theaters. Um, the other movie I watched that was kind of a surprise is one I watched on streaming. It was on, I think, HBO Max, and it's called We're All Going to the World's Fair. I've heard about that, and I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard it was really good. I really liked it, and it's it kind of hit all my buttons. Um, like, it's it's primarily done through videos through the girl's computer. So she's videotaping herself a lot videotaping. Ha <laughs> ha. I just dated myself. She's <laughs> recording herself for, for her YouTube station and there's some Skype conversations. Um, but it's, it's kind of trippy and weird and found footagey and very much, a like coming of age horror film. Interesting. Um, but the, the lead in it, uh, Anna Cobb, who's, who's a teenager, they're, they're really, really spectacular. I think they give a really, really strong performance. It's a, it's a small cast. There's really like two actors in the whole thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's one of the things I love is, is I love small movies like this where they're working with very little resources and yet create something really, really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, so I I really enjoyed it and and I would uh I would recommend it. Yeah, it's nice. it's worth a watch. And again, it's not that long. I don't recall it being very long. It's a pretty easy watch. It's on HBO Max. It's weird. Nice. <laughs> so that's what I've been watching. What have you been watching? I want to watch that. I have that on my list. Mm-hmm. Um I have actually been watching. I'm continuing to watch um, the new Game of Thrones show, which I mentioned oh, the yeah. last time, mm-hmm. which had a wild twist on the most recent episode. And I'm not going to say anything because people are watching it and it's a new thing and I'm not going to not doing that. So sorry, guys. Uh, but it's still good. It hasn't gone uh, awry yet, okay. um, but I still am digging it. However, um, I started watching a show that I've actually been looking forward to coming out for a long time and forgot that it came out and then Mm. remembered that it was available to watch. And it is A League of Their Own. Oh, yeah, I've been hearing great things about. It's on Prime Mm -hmm. and it's like a, a rewrite show version of the original movie. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a really interesting take on it because, and I honestly think you would love it. No, um, I mean it's it's on my list, but I probably won't get to it until after Hundred Days of Horror is done. 
Well, Abby Jacobson is the main person who who put the whole thing together, and she's the star of the show. So mm-hmm. she's from Broad City, if you don't know who Abby yeah. Jacobson is. Um, and But this is more of a uh, – it's less of a – I mean, it's there's some comedy in it for sure. There's some really great, like, female comedians um, and not just female, but, like, great comedians in general that are in this that are not as well-known. But I know them from like, the comedy scene that I've, I've been kind of involved in in the last few years. But um, what's really great about it is it, it shows a different perspective. And it's not a play-by-play, pun intended, of mm-hmm. the, the original movie. So it's mm-hmm. not about, like, two sisters who go off and play in the league. But they also, it is the Peaches. It's still mm-hmm. the same name of, of, of that. There's still some um, parallels, but it speaks more to um, the unfairness of women Mm. And uh, not just any women, but women of color not being able to play with Mm. the other women Mm -hmm. um, of people who were gay, uh, trans, any, all of the above, um, not being given representation and what the perception was of it back in in that time during World War II. Um, And it, it it kind of like peels back what was presented in the movie originally, but shows a different angle and different perspective. Which is, honestly, it's so well done. It doesn't feel slow at any point in time. And I've been binging it, and I think I'm on episode six. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing that since, like, the last few days because we have our puppy that we got on Friday and have mm-hmm. not been able to watch very many things because I'm watching a dog. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, limited in my, my opportunity, but I've honestly only been watching that. Like we've been watching that in trash TV and you don't want to hear about my trash TV. So I won't, I won't, <laughs> I won't go there, but I do want to give a shout out to, um, a podcast that I have mentioned in the past. It is a funny feeling podcast because my friend Tiffany Gabris was featured, um, as a guest on it. Um, that is the podcast with Betsy Sodaro and Marcy Jero. Um, it's their podcast about they they tell like people's ghost stories. They have guests on that have had uh, paranormal things happen to them, and it, it's very funny. But it's not like super well researched or anything like what we do. It's right. a very more it's, it's a, light, a different it's more, intention. Yeah, it's a different intention. It's more light. It's more fun. It's it. I mean, we're fun too, just in a different way. But it's <laughs> it's definitely more comedy based. Um, but it was really cool seeing one of my my buds she's uh my friend who did the florals for my bridal um or for my bridal shower and her husband is also a a comedian in that scene so really cool episode and really interesting to hear um it's the rat queen episode so if you want to listen to a new podcast that you haven't listened to and have a fun time i would check that one out nice yeah Um, But having said that, thanks for listening, guys. We are sneaking up. It's less than a month out to Pacific Northwest True Crime Fest. That's true. We've got our topics now. We do. We have a double topic that we're going to be doing. It's going to be a wild time. Um, We are going to be presenting on October 8th. And uh, the details for that will be found at pnwtruecrimefest.com. 
You can get a discount on your tickets if you use the code ghoulish15. Um, thanks to yours truly. So we would love to see you guys there. Come see us do a live podcast episode. We will publish it after we do the live presentation of it. Mm-hmm. So for those of you that are not local and can't come, you'll still get to listen to our topics later. Um, but if you can come and you're local, come check it out. It'll be fun. Great time. Um, but having said that, thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate any kind of review, any kind of support that you would like to give us on Apple podcasts, on Spotify. We have a Patreon. There's all kinds of stuff you can find on social medias. We'll be posting photos associated with all of our episodes on our Instagram at Schoolish Tendencies Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And stay.